Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, folks, who learn best through a musical format. I am Kevin Warner and... I'm Chris Anderson. Welcome to... Talking Musical History Podcast. Talking Musical History Podcast. The podcast that talks about the history of musicals that teach history through song. This week, we are discussing in depth the predecessor to Hamilton, 1776, the musical. We will be discussing Hamilton at a later date, but that will be behind the paywall for the low price of $5 a month. Get it while it's hot. So, if you want to hear us talk and analyze Hamilton like we do 1776, then sign up at the $5 level. You will be able to hear all our analysis of more popular and less popular musicals that help us understand our past. Hey, you're going to have a great time, you're going to learn a lot of stuff, and you're going you're gonna to feel challenged during all of this. It's going to be a real life awakener for you. Starting out... Let's take you back all the way to 1776. (laughs) Actually, more like March 16, 1969, when 1776 had its Broadway premiere. We have composer and lyricist Sherman Edwards. I spent a a moment looking up Sherman Edwards on uh, Wikipedia. Um, Okay, what else has he done? uh, uh, well, it looks like, well, okay, uh, popular songs written by him, uh, Broken Hearted Medley, uh, for Sarah Vaughn, uh, 1959, Dungaree Doll, uh, by, for Words by Ben Riley, uh, for Eddie Fisher, uh, Flaming Star, The Sounds of Summer, Johnny Get Angry, Wonderful, Wonderful, See You in September. So that's the happenings, Johnny Mathis. So he looks like he he made songs for Elvis Presley film of the same name, Flaming Star. Okay, so he looks like he just did like you know like one-off songs. And this is his only musical. That that looks like it, that's his uh, that's his one and only shtick here. Uh, Sherman Edwards was an American songwriter best known for his songs from the 1969 Broadway musical 1776, and the seven, uh, 1972 film based on it. So yeah. that's uh, that's his uh, highlight, though. That some would argue is probably the Elvis Presley film. Well, I guess if you're really an Elvis fan or the King, uh, I totally can see that. Also made a song for Johnny Mathis, so that might might be pretty good. Yeah, Johnny Mathis was decent. Uh, and librettist Peter Stone. The cast here, we have William Daniels, who most people in our generation were uh, around forty ish. Um, and we will remember him as Mr. Feeney. Feeney? From Boy Meets World. Fee? <laughs> For those of you who are a little, little older than us, uh, and watch the show Knight Rider, 
Hello, Michael. <laughs> he was Kit the cop. He was in a Blue Lagoon or something. There was something what? else. Wow. Yeah, I, did, I never saw that movie, but that sounds... It yeah. was a terrible movie from what I heard. Well, you know, he, he, he's a really fine actor, and you can tell that in the, the, the film completely. Uh, Beanie did an amazing job. I know that's not his name. Well, I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. William sir. Daniels. Yeah, William Daniels. I'm sorry, sir. You're, you're a phenomenal actor. I've appreciated all your life. You're, you're amazing. Um, and hopefully you're still alive. <laughs> you don't know either, do you? I don't know. Oh, no! We're terrible human beings. Um, I, I'm <laughs> pretty sure Howard DeSilver at this point is dead. He yeah, yeah, yeah. older yeah. enough yeah, that yeah, he yeah. would be. Ken yeah. Howard, I would say, that's the younger person. And and Blythe Danner... Well, like, I mean, like, I wasn't um, trying to hate, but I was. I was, I, I obviously was concerned about the guy... Uh, what's his name again? William Daniels. William Daniels, a little bit more. Um, only because, like, you know, I, I, I mean, like, we've... We have a fondness to him. Oh, yeah, we, like, grew up together. He, he's, he is our, um, was he the principal or the teacher? Hmm? He was the teacher or the principal of, of the show, of Boy... Oh, uh, Boy, yeah, no, he was the principal. Well, he was he was the teacher, and then didn't he become didn't the principal? Became, oh, okay. Right, because they had to figure out a reason to keep him, like, around. Oh, because right. Because they couldn't, they couldn't be in his class forever. Right, that's true. That's okay. just weird. And then so that he, he was made the principal so that they could move throughout, and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I had a huge crush on Topanga back when I was... Oh, who did Yeah, though? everyone had a crush on Topanga. Oh my god, that girl. <laughs> so back to the task at hand. Is he alive or dead? Oh, good point. <laughs> yes, he is still alive. Oh, thank you, yes. But he was born in 27. Oh, wow is correct, and we're in COVID, folks. Please... Yeah. And we William just Daniels, lost please stay some alive. great ones. I, I have enjoyed you for so long. Howard De Silva. Okay. Uh, he's relatively famous and also very political, so I felt that was perfect for him being in both the original Broadway and the film's production as well. Yeah, well, well help me. Pretend, uh, pretend like I'm really stupid. Uh, who's Howard De Silva? Um, well, let's look him up. Howard De Silva is someone who was actually blacklisted for a time being during oh. the McCarthy era. Uh, he obviously has been in a few films. He was in The Great Gatsby with Robert Redford and Mia Farrow. He was in Great Gatsby twice, once in 1974 and again in 1949 before that. Oh, mm. he was in Kung Fu. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm kind of a kung fu fan. Um, being said, I, I haven't even seen Kung Fu Panda, so I don't know. That's not even the same thing. That's not even the same thing. There's shame on you. For shame. Also, uh, NYPD, uh, The Fugitive TV show. The Man from Uncle. Um, I heard that, that was, was a big show well, at one point in time. He was time, on the Outer but... Limits in the iRobot oh. episode. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I, I have not seen any of these things, though I know of these things. I know of these things as well. <laughs> In my television history class, we went over some of them. Go look him up. He's a, you know, he's from Cleveland, and as we all, all know, Cleveland rocks. So, Thomas Jefferson, played by Ken Howard, who's another celebrity of yesteryear. Oh. Oh, he was in Clear and Present Danger in 1994. Like, 1776 was, like, the beginning of his career. Him and Blythe Danner. Yeah, Ken Howard and Blythe Danner made their debut in this. And then they went on to do a series called Adam's Rib, based off of the original movie. It was a classic film that um, I'm sure has 
some people who are now dead in it. <laughs> it's a classic film that I'm sure is on TCM and all that. Uh, he was in Rambo. He was oh. Father Arthur Marsh in Rambo. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm just going to make an episode. I've never seen Rambo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, know like, of I its existence. It. I get it. I mean, well, I mean it's an older film. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's an older action film. Like, uh, you have to be sort of like a diehard Stallone fan, I think, nowadays in order to see something like that. It had a 1997 Broadway revival, and that had some more famous people in it with... Tom Aldridge, narrator from Into the Woods, uh, the original Broadway cast, the Sondheim classic, fairy tale fantasy. Aldridge played John Adams in that performance, the narrator and the father in the original Into the Woods. That's the guy that was in What About Bob? Uh, That's right. I think Mr. Gutman is Yeah. who that character was. Yeah! It was the, the guy on the guy? water with his wife. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom Aldridge is a very accomplished uh, <laughs> I mean, performer. Once you're in What About Bob, I mean, you're, you've are you made it. I mean, you're... You're, you're like with, comedy royalty at this point. Might as well like, be with Richard Dreyfus and Bill Murray. Bill Murray. I yeah. mean, that's, that's... That's serious. Yeah. That is a serious... And cast. Was it Julia Louise Dreyfus? Uh, yeah! Um, not, mm -hmm. No, not her. Julia Louise Dreyfus is from Seinfeld. We were thinking of Julie Haggerty. Haggerty. That's, Haggerty. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm, I'm thinking. Not. Sorry. Yeah, we both were running with it, and we're like, nope, no, that's not the right person. You gotta get her, <laughs> you gotta get her Julie's right. <laughs> Got to get your Julie's right. <laughs> and it also has Pat Hingle, who we know from 1989 Batman as Chief Commissioner Gordon. It was Tim Burton, so it was... Oh, this is the Tim Burton one. Yeah. Oh, wow. I this is 1997, little... so... Oh, you said 97. I wasn't listening. I apologize. Yeah, no, it's I okay. Thought, for some reason, I thought you said 67. No, and, no. Uh, um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, that would be cool, too. It was 67 was Adam West and Burt Ward, yeah. No, um, this would have been Michael Keaton. He was... Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Where does he get those wonderful toys? I don't know. As I say with a Batman shirt on right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he get those wonderful shirts? Brent Spiner, who all of the Trekkies would know. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a terrible Trekkie. As Chief Commander, I forgot his rank. I'm terrible at remembering ranks, but he played Data. Oh, wait, huh? Data is Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner was in 1776? Apparently, in the revival. Oh. Not in the movie. Not in the movie. Oh, you didn't they... miss him in the movie. <laughs> uh, I, I, like, that's why I couldn't He's even hear his... He's the guy who I fell off and hit the propeller. I, I couldn't even hear his name. I was, because it's like, wait a second. Wait, like, Brent Spiner wasn't in the movie? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, terrific. <laughs> He was wearing so his better. invisibility cloak that That's... he borrowed from the future. Yeah. So the revival. He's in the revival. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, he's a weird dude. I met him, uh, I went to uh, the Motor City Comic Con. Oh, really? And yeah. I met him. And uh, um, I like him. I had a nice picture. He wasn't in Into the Woods, but he was in another Sondheim around that same time with some other people that are also in this, I believe, uh, including... Robert Westenberg, who, um, okay. oh, um, Brent Spiner, I didn't say the musical he was in. He was in 
Sunday in the Park with George, which oh, also George. had Bernadette Peters around that same time as Dot, but Robert Westernberg, who was someone in 1776, we don't know who because this is a Broadway thing and there's not an IMBD for Broadway shows. Why isn't there an IMDb for Broadway shows? I pulled it up from the closest thing that Broadway has to IMBD. I, what, I mean, but it seems like they should have they something should. like, right? They should. Because, like, it, it's a part of, like, a... a um, Larger media? The study of theater through history, dramaturgy. Absolutely. That seems super weird they haven't done it yet. But Robert Westenberg was uh, Cinderella's prince in Into the Woods, as well as the wolf. Jack oh. Werner of the Werner Brothers. Oh, man. What about the Warner sisters? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that that dot was not involved in this one. Oh, very good, very good. And uh, this was his first venture out from the Warner Brothers studio. What? They filmed... This was... Oh, wow. First shot was on Columbia Ranch. Jack, what are you thinking? <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. yeah. How could we go wrong? It's a musical about the country being born. I watched this uh, um, sort of documentary about uh, Hamilton, and uh, um, they were going and talking to a lot of people in uh, Lin-Manuel's past uh, um, uh, uh, in his build-up to making like uh, Hamilton. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's terrific. I want to see this classic art that inspired Hamilton. It didn't directly inspire Hamilton, but it laid the groundwork. Look, and that's they both start... use history. That's not inspiration. Like, like, uh, um, that's like that's like saying Star Trek. Uh, uh, um, well, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe. Okay, Star Wars was the reason Star Trek the movie was made. True. Yes, but like. Like star, like star Wars, even though like is inspired by sci-fi, isn't really inspired by Star Trek. In empirical Europe, like going out and like you know, obviously this is a modern idea around it, and that's why there's a prime directive and whatnot. But we're not going to nerd it up over here. <laughs> like, really, like, but Star Wars is a Western, right? It's a, it's a, it's about like a broken society, right, and all that. So they're not the same. Like Hamilton in 1776 are not the same. First off, like, if you want to have a musicality battle, come on. Like, only people that don't like rap music would say 1776 is a better music. So we should also say the story of what 1776 is about, because it is not related to Hamilton other than they are both historical musicals that take place around the same time. And they both start in 1776 and that's where their similarities mostly end except for there is a call out in Hamilton that is taken directly from 1776. I feel like Hamilton on the other hand that probably will have much longer legs because it actually like uh, uh, pays attention to the music of the time and modern music and tries to amalgamate that and create something new. So the, now the show is a lot more unique. That also won a Pulitzer, and this didn't. The story of 1776, John Adams, the original innovator behind America's Declaration of Independence, teams up with Benjamin Franklin, 
Richard Henry Lee, and Thomas Jefferson to battle those in Congress who opposed the movement to declare independence from England. The team cooperatively conceives and eventually passes the resolution that frees America from British tyranny. Now, if only Canadians could come over here and relieve us from American tyranny right now. <laughs> I, yeah, Trudeau, you know, he's like uh, definitely dreamier than our president. Yeah. <laughs> Canada, you can invade us anytime. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'll be, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully um, we have an election in did November. Did we even say what day we, this is recording? We are recording this on July 19th. That, that vote yes song. Vote yes, vote yes, vote for independency. <laughs> it's catchy. It is very catchy. And that's, like, you can't escape it. Like, that, that will be the curse that you will gain after watching this film. There was a song, Cool Political Men. Cool Political Men was cut out of the original film. President Nixon was so angry with it because he knew that it was the conservative party talking their inside voice and their outside voice. Very similar to our current president of now. Right. Or maybe not if you're hearing this and the election's already happened and Joe Biden is now our president. At least kind of glad that the Benjamin Franklin character was someone from the left instead of the majority right mm -hmm. that the storytellers have in two songs sung almost back-to-back -back of the cool political men of... The men whose light may never, never be seen again of the white evangelical Christians yeah. that feel they're under attack in our society and have apparently have been since 1776. Yeah. Or at least 1972. I mean, that's, a, uh, uh, that's exactly how King George felt when uh, uh, um, America uh, oppressed him by uh, seeking independence. Well, the song that won Tony was Mama Looks Sharp. Mama Looks Sharp. Off of the Battle of Lexington, women would come and look for their sons. He sings and says nothing for most of the entire performance. He comes in, he's the dispatcher. He comes in, hands a letter, walks away. Yeah, says a... absolutely nothing. I have no idea what the, the joke is supposed to be there. I know that, like, uh, um, the first time, I think, when Adams, uh, uh, like, uh, talks about how, uh, well, our, our, our soldiers are in tip-shop shape, never been better, everything's great, and then he shows up and he looks like a mess, and he drops off a, a note that isn't very uh, uh, positive. And, uh, um, you know, uh, it's, it's an okay joke. I just feel like it probably could have been a better... One thing that was actually anti-war was Does Anybody Care by Adams. Sways Lyman, who was a new junior senator at the time for Georgia. Well, there was this, this uh, song sung by Blythe Danner, Jefferson's her first wife. In this scene, apparently, is, the, is Green Acres' on-site pig. The pig from Green Acres makes this appearance. And okay. he plays the violin. The pig does? Well, not the pig does, but that would make the movie amazing. Yes, yes, it would. 
violin pig, violin pig, plays the violin whenever he can. <laughs> Wait, that sounds like a violent pig, like some sort of uh, <laughs> is that psycho uh, uh, pig. Keska say, like yeah. there was there was a, a song that greatly disturbed me, and yes. I don't remember how it went at all. At all. Molasses was, to rum to slaves? Yeah, that one. Yes. Yeah, like, not, did not stick, like, I, I, it, it was just like, why did you make this song? <laughs> Wasn't there, isn't there any better way you could have put any of this? It's like a, it's like Song of the South. It's what people, it's a, it's a general problem with Song of the South, right? Disney could have used that as an opportunity to tell, like, you know, like, maybe a slightly racist story, like, like, actual well-crafted story about how people can get along and move forward but instead they were lazy about it it's really terrible and racist so at least like you know gone with the wind isn't a terrible story but it's super racist and song of the south is kind of racist but terrible well that's why they took out for just a moment they took out gone with the wind and then now reintroduced it with the historical accuracy portion in the beginning. So if you really want to watch a racist movie, <laughs> they let you know you're watching a racist movie. Go ahead, enjoy the South. Song of the South should have that same exact treatment. Mm -hmm. um, however, like it's really tough because like then people will start watching it and realize that Disney sometimes makes crap films. It is not on Disney Plus, for, I think, for a very explicit reason. And well, also, Disney never does anything wrong. Why are we even talking about this? <laughs> Don't anger the mouse. <laughs> We're very sorry. Rutledge, he has an amazing voice. It is a very troubling song because he takes you to a slave auction. Equivalent of going to, like, this place that has the best service in the world, and you're so excited but you realize that the best service is uh, uh, their suicide machines. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but really top-notch service. <laughs> and the point of the song is to call out the hypocrisy of the northern states who were anti-slavery, of course, but... They didn't even want to admit in the... And they didn't even want to admit in the musical that Jefferson owned slaves. Like... Uh, no, it gets worse. Yeah. So they, they go and they do these two arguably racist conservative numbers, almost back to back, mm -hmm. with, I believe, Mama Looks Sharp somewhere in the middle. And uh, then the very end, after we heard Molasses, Rum, and Slaves, we then see there is a line, this is I found in the commentary, that Adams says to Jefferson that challenges slavery and how important it is that we need to sacrifice, but have trouble in a hundred years. Adams warning that if we do not fight for not only our independence, but an end to slavery, right. that there'll be trouble in a hundred years, and nearly a hundred years after that, there is the Civil War. People who made the movie thought that if they left it in, that they will be judged as their line that they added in, that it was not historically accurate when in fact it was. That is the definition of cowardice. Yeah. Leaving something out that added to the conversation that would have stepped up 
the game. Yes. 100%. It would have been a much better, like, if it were more truthful, then you can give it more of a pass. But, like, it, it, it like, not great songs and, like, not able to tell the truth. Like, it's, like, what kind of art is that? Um, I, and, and during that song, during the uh, molasses, uh, whatever, what's, what's it? Molasses is to rum to slaves. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, it, it, like I, I, I want to remember the song, but then, like, also, it's just, like, it wasn't worthwhile. Uh, but, like, watching that scene that was shot and, like, how um, you have, they're, like, mirroring uh, him against himself while he's singing the song, and it seems like it's in a very 70s style. And, like, it's it's very different than the rest of the film. But my dad told me, I'd watched it in parts, and my dad told me about it because there were some songs that I felt didn't do anything. And he said, well, this song does. It's definitely a memorable song. Hmm. And then he said quickly, I don't agree with the song, but it is a very powerful song. So... I was able to at least prepare myself mentally for this non-arguably racist outwardly song. Um, I say arguably with the cool, confident men or whatever that was called. Cool political men. But, I mean, obviously the molasses rum to slaves, that is just openly racist. Even in one of the song lyrics, it says morals are not we're on money like right it's all about the money yeah, they don't all, yeah. see people they don't see black people as, as people up. they see them as property yeah. only uh, that lee song though that that lee song cracked me up because it's like it's like yeah virginia had a lot of lees i get it but like there's only one that we really like you know talk about a lot <laughs> so why do we have to go here lee there lee everywhere lee lee i mean i guess sarah lee that's delicious well sarah lee is delicious I don't think she had any part with the Revolutionary War. Or... See, 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 what you do is is you take a Sara Lee pound cake and you uh, um, you make a perfect parfait by like cutting it up in tiny cubes, getting some yogurt, placing it on the bottom, then the cubes, and some fruit, then some more yogurt, some cubes. It's gonna be beautiful. Whipped cream on the top. It'll be wonderful. And nobody doesn't like Sara Lee. And that is referring to Richard Henry Lee. Richard Henry Lee is what the, the song is about. But uh, he's also talking about all the other Lees in the Virginia. Ron Hogate, who played Richard Henry Lee, won a Tony Award for his performance. Oh, to hear Lee there, Lee. There was also a Lee in Hamilton, so... Charles Lee. Yes. And I don't know if there's a, they're related directly, but yeah. they may be. The Lees of old Virginia. Cancer had just been discovered the previous year, before 1776, in 1775. Stephen Hopkins, played by Roy Pohl, who had cancer. Cancer? I thought he was a Virgo. James Wilson, the deciding vote. Well, it makes for a nice dramatic effect, right? Yeah. It's like, do I want to go unnoticed? Do I want to be a part of the pack and, say, blend in with the crowd? Do I want to, like, stop this all from happening? Lone mm. gunman. But, I mean, they could have probably changed the person. Uh, I guess they couldn't have done that because then that would be admitting that it was like about slavery. Right. So like, like that and that was still in the era where right. we don't talk about this. There was not one black face in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah. But well, I mean, a good thing on, was, on with the, the little thing, that little windmilly thing. Benjamin Franklin says, "History will clean it up." 
Does that mean history will lie for them? Uh, Jefferson is like always banging his wife uh, instead of uh, uh, writing the Declaration of Independence. And like, I think pretty much everyone knows that he probably wasn't banging his wife. But I know that I know they wouldn't put that in 1972. Well, but they do try to <laughs> decardboardize them as much as they felt they were going to. I think the people in the show that like weren't taking it as seriously, like they did a much better job. Call this the reefer madness, because right. in reefer madness, everyone was in on the joke. Yeah. Right. But the previous reefer madness. No one. There were only a few people who were in on the joke, and others of them played it straight. There were some people in the film that were like, yeah, this isn't as great as they think it's going to be. I'll just make it fun. Ken Howard, who was Jefferson, was able to only get into the character by reading Shakespeare. Women at the time the movie oh, was man. done oh, man. is... Uh, not very, not very well. So this movie was made in 1972, and when did, when was the musical first made? 69. 69, right? And like in my opinion, you know, we've had a bunch of opportunities where women have been in the workforce. There were there were roles where women have like strong roles in musicals. And dolls for all of its sexist crap was a much better, well-made musical. That was less sexist in 1776. The all, all they had to do was give her a song. They didn't even give her a song about like it, it felt like the female songs uh, the in, in the music weak, weak, subservient, very subservient. Um, like sometimes, like in the movie, you don't even get to see them singing while they're singing their song. And I I have a huge problem with that, especially in musicals, right when. Like, it feels like someone's trying to hide the person who's singing. Like, I, I remember I saw the incredibly true, true story of Two Girls in Love, which is a, a semi-classic lesbian film. Uh, and my aunt, who knows a lot about film, she said, oh, well, they don't pay the actor if you don't show the face sometimes. So that's a trick that they use to, for film budgeting is... You don't show the actor's face. Well, here they were clearly showing the actor's face, so why not show the actor's face for the entire time? I mean, maybe maybe they got a discount. Like uh, a John Adams' wife, like uh, treated very subservient, but like while he was away, she did like the financial work. She ran the business. She helped finance the Revolutionary War. Um, you know, she's a little bit more significant than like barely being in a scene where she's singing and, you know, like just, you know, a, 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 an afterthought. Um, but I guess, you know, the, that whole Franklin connection, so. Fire wagon! I don't remember why I wrote that down. Okay. Why, why, what, did that happen in the film? Like someone shouted fire wagon? So they were in Independence Hall. There was a fire that broke out, so anything was used as a distraction. They're like, oh, wait, let's, you know, go see what's going on. It was like uh, John Adams. It would be the RuPaul only way. can sing. Yes. RuPaul can totally yes. sing. It would be the only way to do a respectable revival of this. Yeah. Girl, vote yes. Vote yes. Vote. Oh, my God, it would be amazing. You know, RuPaul is a John Adams that I can get behind. And... 
honestly, if it's RuPaul that plays John Adams, then that Brent Franklin connection just makes more sense. It's a biopical musical. Yeah. Who else is thinking about that? Like, who else would even mention right. RuPaul in 1776? And it's like, actually a really good fit. It would be really amazing. And they do stuff similar to this on RuPaul. We're watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race right now. We need some comfort food for the pandemic. <laughs> And it oh, is. Oh, she could do a whole show with those <laughs> girls doing 1776. Oh my god. Oh, yes. wow. That would be amazing. I hope that happens. That would be awesome. Someone who we thought looked very much like Troy McClure. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot all about that. <laughs> <laughs> we realized it wasn't. But he looked, talked, and even sung like. Troy McClure, like, 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 yeah. uh, um, not Phil Hartman, no. just Troy McClure yeah. from The Simpsons. If only, if only that specific thing made it worth it. Well, <laughs> he, it was they, amazing though. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock them. They were before the time. Maybe, maybe The Simpsons were inspired by that character. By the character. The character Phil Hartman more than likely for, saw 1776. I would, I mean, obviously, we can't ask him now unless no, we no, have a Ouija no, board, but, but... I mean, maybe it was what killed him. No, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's true. That's true. Because <laughs> all the horrors have seen this movie in the past. He couldn't take it anymore. It, it's like it's like The Ring. <laughs> <laughs> so the person that we thought was looked like Troy McClure, the actor's name was Donald Madden. He was the character John... John Dickinson I was uh, looking yeah. up uh, Don Madden was in uh, uh, a TV adaptation of John Steinbeck's uh, Burning Bright okay and the British TV spy series Espionage yeah that sounds like Troy McClure <laughs> you just need another yeah. Muppet credit in there and the right television there. adaptation of yeah. <laughs> adaptation of we equated it to being the total independence Porn for wasps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, and, and with the gay uh, Troy McClure uh, starring in it, the title could be Independence Porn: An American Tale. If you're, if you're, if you're a history buff, you should watch this film and uh, write a paper about all the things that's wrong with it. If you're a conservative, you should write a paper about it and write all about all the great things that are about that. This is actually a really good musical to start off with because it's like, you know, it, it, it actually is so Oh, odd. he was in Annie Get Your Gun, too. Oh, very cool. It, it starts, it, it sets a stark uh, uh, difference, like cross comparison between like Hamilton, what a modern musical is like now. And that is like the style of, it feels like it is from the period that it is from. However, it could have been so much better. This has been incredibly fascinating, Kevin. Thank you so much. I've learned a crap ton about 1776. If you get a chance to find it, where I don't even know where one would find it. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to find. I'm not gonna lie. I I borrowed a copy. Well, thank you for listening to Talking Musical History podcast. I am Kevin Warner, and, and I'm Chris Anderson. Until next time, bye. Bye bye. You guys have a good one. Thank you for joining us. Talking Musical History Podcast. Talking Musical History Podcast. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.